But Lucy hadn't phoned me in tears. She hadn't asked me what to do. She hadn't given up. She hadn't sat down in the freezer aisle like I would have done. She had made alternative plans. She'd bought other baked goods instead and then she'd come home to take her little sister to school and organise the donut stand. And I reckoned I was allowed to admire her resilience. Hello and welcome to More Than This with me, Deborah Sloan. And in this podcast, as I focus on a range of topics, I'll be asking the question, is there more to life than this and searching for how we find higher and deeper meaning in life? In each episode, I plan to share a piece I've written and explain why I wrote it. Sometimes I may have a guest to discuss the topic with me. Last week's special guest, my husband, has refused to be my special guest ever again. Well, for the moment anyway. So I'm looking for people who would be willing to come on and talk for 10 minutes or so on particular topics. And at the end of this episode, I'll mention what I'll be talking about next. So at the beginning of this, I read a quote from my most recent piece of writing, which is called Lucy in the Sky with Donuts. I should mention, because sometimes I presume everyone listening knows who I am and all about my family, etc., etc. But just in case I have actual listeners who don't know me at all, just to explain, there are six of us in our house. There's special guest Russell, my husband, and then there's our four daughters as well. Alice, the eldest, is 20 and she's at university. Lucy is 18 and in her final year at school. Ella is 15 and doing GCSEs and Lydia is 13 and in year nine and she may possibly be the boss of the house. But I'm going to read all of Lucy in the Sky with Donuts now, but without sounding a bit like a teacher or a preacher, I'm wondering as you listen to this, if you could decide what you think this piece is actually about. And in case you want to read it as well, you can find it on my substack at deborahsloan.substack.com. So here goes. Gemma, I said, I'm disappointed. It had taken her 20 minutes and much reluctance to come to the phone but I'd refused to hang up even though I could hear the beeping of everyone shopping going through the scanners and a whispered conversation between her and the assistant who happened to have the misfortune to answer my call just after 8am on a Thursday morning. It had all started the previous Friday when I was surprised to come across Lucy in the kitchen in her school uniform at what, for a teenager, could be considered the crack of dawn. I was even more surprised when she defrosted the car, started the engine and disappeared down the driveway. She had not told me where she was going. Find my iPhone let me know she was at 1009 Upper Newton Arch Road, which seemed to be a large complex, more commonly known as Asda Dundonald Superstore. I interrogated her younger sister. It seemed Lucy was there to order eight times 12 packs of iced donuts because after much scouting of supermarkets, extensive paper-based research, a bit of googling and picking up the word on the street, she had concluded Asda was the only option for the quantity she needed to sell using a 1000% markup pricing strategy to raise money for the hockey tour to Glasgow. Instead of focusing on her A-levels, she'd spent many hours creating promotional posters with images of beautiful doughnuts floating in the sky, even though they looked nothing like the ones from Asda. There had been no one with the capacity to take a bakery order in the afternoons, 
So she'd returned as the store opened. I was not only amazed at the early rising, but also pleased that she now had a supply chain because maybe it hadn't all started the previous Friday. The week before that, she had toured East Belfast trying to find enough fried dough for the first sale in the series of three. It had been a labour of love. She'd acquired a few here, a few there, Tesco, Sainsbury's, Marks and Spencer, chunky chocolate chip cookies to make up the numbers, all taking up space on my worktop. Lucy's crying, said Ella, and I was shocked because Ella doesn't normally speak before noon and Lucy doesn't normally cry. What kind of mother am I, I thought, to not even notice the sobbing on the sofa. Have I become so self-focused with my writing about what church is for and recovering our own selves and thinking about sermon applications and preparing for a listening exercise in Larne? Does the Presbyterian church really need me more than my children? And when Gemma was eventually dragged to the phone because there was a mad lady who kept repeating, I want to speak to the manager and the assistant was running out of ideas, I told her the whole story about how Lucy had placed the order. It had been accepted, written down. She'd left her contact details. It was a verbal agreement, legally binding in the eyes of the law. It was a promise. But when Lucy got up early again and went to collect them and didn't tell me where she was going again, they weren't there. It was the section lead, said Gemma, who seemed to have spent 20 minutes finding a scapegoat. And I thought, Gemma, what kind of manager are you? I left the public sector because of managers like you who quickly put the blame on other people and then rise through the ranks. But Lucy hadn't phoned me in tears. She hadn't asked me what to do. She hadn't given up. She hadn't sat down in the freezer aisle like I would have done. She had made alternative plans. She'd bought other baked goods instead and then she'd come home to take her little sister to school and organise the donut stand. And I reckoned I was allowed to admire her resilience. And I told Gemma I was disappointed because my child was disappointed. And I slipped Lydia £20 to put in the tin for the hockey tour, even though I'd be paying anyway for Lucy to go and stay in a four-star hotel. But Lydia didn't even try to anonymously make her feel better. She just handed the note to her when she got into the passenger seat. Later, I found myself heading to Lauren with a woman I'd never met before, and we bonded over stories about our children, because that's what women do. And I said I wasn't sure what the impact of the pandemic had been on mine, and even though some people say we need to stop blaming it for everything, I will continue to say that we have never processed the trauma, that we rushed back too soon, that we haven't dealt with the crushing disappointments. I looked at my four children and I saw them then, the nine-year-old who had grown up overnight as she managed her own schooling and whose self-sufficiency at times floors me. I saw the one who turned 12 on the day lockdown began and who has never celebrated her birthday since and how she is learning to trust what the world has to offer again. I saw the 14-year-old who withdrew as she lost not only her education but her social outlet who believes in and would do anything for her team. And I saw the 16-year-old who never got to take her GCSEs, who just as she should have had the chance to fly, had her wings clipped, who went away to university and returned after eight days, and who is soft and kind, and who always tells me where she's going and asks me if I need anything for lunch because she cares that I eat. Each of them had been changed by it, and I had been changed too, 
because I could cope with anything now other than their disappointment. There was nothing that Gemma could do. It was too late. If Lucy wanted to order more donuts, she should come into customer services and ask for her because it seemed Gemma never left the building. Lucy said no thanks. They'd already wasted loads of her time. You'd enjoy it, Mummy, said Ella. It was a revelation. Yoga, the hour spent lying down in the assembly hall. She'd slept for 13 hours that night. But it was what the instructor lady said that had landed with a room full of girls and it made me want to raise my hands and shout, Hallelujah! You have to take up your space because you're worthy of it, she said. You should dig your feet into the ground. I told Lucy she had every right to be angry because I'd be angry and maybe it was righteous anger, but even if it wasn't, we're allowed to be angry in spite of what the minister said on Sunday because women haven't got anywhere near angry enough yet about injustice and all sorts of other things. But I told Gemma I was disappointed because when someone is disappointed with us, that stings so much more. This is dedicated to Lucy and to skies filled with donuts. So Lucy in the sky with donuts, personally, I thought it was a great title and it was actually a little surprised that none of my children had heard of the song in which the title was based, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Anyway, one of the responses I got to this on Substack said, love this on so many levels. And it kind of made me think about what are the levels that are in this because it started out as just a story about a child who went to collect donuts that weren't there and she was disappointed and her mother was disappointed on her behalf or maybe a little angry and I didn't even mention in this piece how difficult it was to actually get through to Asda and Donald's Superstore and that I ended up in some sort of constant loop pressing one for this and two for this a number of times and every time I got through to somewhere I just kept getting cut off and I suppose that probably made me even more angry but in the end I had to ring the main Asda UK helpline and they put me through and actually made someone come to the phone so then I thought, this isn't just a tale of woe about iced dough. There's an awful lot of other things going on here. And that's probably one of the weirdest things about writing. Because when you start with something, you've got a spark or, or something you want to talk about, but you have no idea where you might finish. And sometimes I find I just process things through my writing. And when I go back and read what I've written I find things that I didn't expect to find that tell me a lot about what's really going on in my head. So I wonder what you think this was about and maybe you could get in touch with me and, and let me know what your thoughts are on it. But anyway, there's some themes that I picked up in it. So there's obviously the disappointment and the fact that parents, probably mothers in particular, really struggle to cope with seeing their children disappointed. So there's that. But then there's also the idea of resilience and what resilience actually looks like rather than being some theoretical concept we bounce about. And, you know, you have to be resilient and prove that you're resilient. But so I say about how Lucy didn't sit down in the freezer aisle like I would have done. There was almost a choice that she had in that moment either to give up or make the best of it and she chose the latter because as I also say later on she would do anything for her hockey team and maybe sometimes resilience comes from knowing there are others depending on us and I think 
when it comes to more than this in life or finding higher and deeper meaning, if we set out on any path or journey to discovery about ourselves, it will be littered with disappointments. Even what we discover about ourselves can at times be disappointed and we'll constantly find ourselves having to make alternative plans and channel some sort of inner resilience to just keep plowing on. So there's resilience. And then secondly, a big theme I see in this, which really surprised me, is the idea that we're allowed to be angry. I referenced a minister mentioning righteous anger, that idea that we can be angry as long as it's because of some injustice or moral failure or something like that. But I kind of think who decides whether we should or shouldn't be angry about something that personally impacts us? I go on to say that I don't think women have got angry enough yet about injustice. But what I don't say is that maybe men haven't got angry enough on our behalf. And I'll leave that one hanging there. Again, you can get in touch if you've any thoughts on that. And then finally, and this probably brings in both getting angry and resilience, I mentioned the impact of the pandemic. As it happened, I wrote this after I'd been at a listening exercise with some church representatives to listen to what they felt they needed going forward to help them better engage with the communities around them. And someone mentioned at that that we needed to stop blaming the pandemic for everything, that really we needed to stop saying pre and post pandemic as if everything before was one way and everything after was another way. And maybe we just need to get on with things and forget about it. And this is something I feel really strongly about and I've mentioned this before in my writing there's another piece I wrote called Ella girl with pearl earring where I cover this particularly Ella's refusal to celebrate her birthday which is a pretty common theme in our house I'll put a link to this piece in the show notes so I think what I'd actually really love to hear from people in particular and what I feel most strongly about is that idea that we never processed the trauma of the pandemic. We didn't deal with the crushing disappointments. We didn't get angry enough about the injustices. And we definitely, definitely should not be brushing all of that under the carpet. I talk about the personal impact on each of my children and it's different for each of them. And I imagine each one of us will have our own stories of the personal impact on us. So a simple piece about donuts ends up being a piece about anger and injustice. And I suppose there's one very last thing I want to say on this piece, and that's yoga. Not only did Ella sleep for 13 hours after having to lie down in the school assembly hall and closing her eyes and breathing, as she put it, but she also listened to what the instructor had to say about planting your feet on the ground, taking up space, using your voice and I guess that made me think that we need reminded all the time that we're allowed to do that, to take up space whether it's by being angry or expressing disappointment or fighting injustice and resilience isn't just some sort of inner fight we have to to do to keep ourselves going. It can be external as well. It can come from expressing how we feel about things because that's a coping mechanism and a way we deal with the setbacks and disappointments that we experience. So I guess I'm just kind of saying that we're allowed to be angry. So I hope it's been somewhat worthwhile listening to this. I may have been a bit ambitious saying I'd be doing this podcast weekly as it's more likely to be fortnightly or perhaps even less frequent than that. But I do recommend following the podcast so you don't miss an episode when they actually do appear. 
And I'll be taking a little break from podcasting and writing next week as it's half term. And I'm heading away for a little break by the sea, followed by another little break to see Abba Voyage in London. My next topic I planned is to discuss on the podcast, as I mentioned earlier, I said I would let you know what that was, is getting out of your comfort zone. I mentioned in the last episode about blockers and enablers when it comes to more than this or finding higher and deeper meaning in life. And there are a lot of blockers that get in the way, but one thing that enables or helps us to experience higher and deeper meaning in life is just getting out of our comfort zones. And I'm just thinking even here about Ella and the yoga from that one spark of trying something new, she's now signed up to join a gym and go along to some classes. So if you've done something that felt like getting out of your comfort zone, maybe you would let me know and um, then I'll be able to share some of those stories in the next episode. So thank you again for listening and also happy half term if you're getting a break next week. <laughs>